heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. I mean, many of us would think we come to the end of this pandemic and more of an endemic stage. A lot of people are struggling with long COVID. And what are the results of that? A lot of questions come in here about long, long haulers COVID syndrome because of the impact in our bodies and so much we still don't know about this. Uh, one of the things just recently, and, and uh, Dr. McCullough was there with a group of other folks uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, actually, at the Capitol Building in Harrisburg, very interesting uh, an event they had. There was a study I want to touch on and start here about the messenger RNA uh, in the fact that from what we're seeing from this study is it stays in the body far longer. Dr. McCullough says here, it shows the messenger RNA is in the lymph nodes months after the vaccine has been received. This is proven. The vaccines are not leaving the body. It's found in the lymph nodes at 60 days. The thought in the FDA briefing book was that these vaccines were going to be in the body for a day or two. And that, that is a fact. That's all. That's what I keep seeing. That's what they keep saying. Uh, general, general immunity and then be out, Dr. McCullough says here. Uh, so I, I want to start there and talk about this messenger RNA. Let's bring on Dr. Peter McCullough now. This is our 16th uh, Q&A here. Uh, Dr. McCullough is an academic internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist from Dallas, Texas. I don't think anybody actually even needs to know your bio anymore, uh, uh, Peter. You know, everybody knows that on the planet. You've been, you surely have become a media icon at this point. I'll tell you, you, you're in, you spend more time on the camera and the mic. It's incredible. Uh, people really appreciate your commitment to all of this. But what do you say about the messenger RNA and the fact that now what the study is showing? Well, it's great to be back on the other side of the microphone. And no doubt about it, Malcolm, I, I've given over two dozen public programs, either myself or in teams for lawmakers, uh, doctors, and then big public programs. The most important part of the program, uh, people wait for hours, is the Q&A. And that's what we're doing today. The update on the biology of the messenger RNA vaccines is not good. In a paper from Hulkin and colleagues, they've demonstrated now in tissue that the messenger RNA vaccines are in the lymph nodes and other tissues at least 60 days after receiving the vaccine. These should be out of the body. They should not have this type of durability. The nucleoside analog caps on the three prime and five prime end of the messenger RNA uh, appear to be very resistant to breakdown. Paper by Tony Karagoklis and myself, two of them, ahead of the Hoken findings, suggested this based on the biochemistry of it. Now we learned very important paper. Marcus Alden, student in Malmo University in Lund, uh, Lund University in Malmo, Sweden, demonstrated that the Pfizer vaccine through a reverse transcriptase called Line One reverse transcribes, and in fact the DNA code that, messages, that mass, matches the Pfizer messenger RNA is installed into human chromatin. Now, this needs to be verified. It needs to be confirmed. They were able to show 40, 444 base pairs, what's called the amplicon. But many experts I've talked to have said, listen, it's right in the middle of the code. Almost certainly the entire code of the spike protein for those who've taken the vaccine 
is now permanently installed in their DNA. Mm. And this was shown in human hepatic cell lines. And, and people are very uneasy about this finding, extremely uneasy. Uh, and it's now going to be probably a matter of verifying this, showing it independently. The next questions are, once this permanent installation happens, does the human body actually produce spike protein that, that in a sense attacks the own, its own cells? The spike protein we know is dangerous. It shouldn't be in the body. And we certainly shouldn't have permanent code in our body coding for this dangerous protein. Is it expressed under certain conditions like cancer or other diseases? Uh, can the body handle this over time? Uh, and all I can tell people right now, there's so much virus remorse out there. There are so many people saying, get this vaccine out of my body. How do I do it? Yeah. I tell them, listen, the major thing is to not take a booster. And we know the majority of Americans haven't. Do you know that People, anybody who's not taken a vaccine since October 1st is effectively unvaccinated. My back of the envelope calculation, Malcolm, is that 250 million out of the 330 million Americans that we have, 250 are effectively unvaccinated. The rates of vaccination right now, which basically means boosters going on in the United States, is the lowest of all time. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking as you say that we could have done without all this drama, Dr. McCullough, really, we could have truly, when we first talked to you and I a couple of years back now on the COVID uh, exercise here, you know, if we had just reached for herd immunity and left all this, I mean, my God, the, the, the arm wrestling that's gone on and the ridiculing of people and the destroying of lives uh, that it's off the charts. Had, had, these, had they just stayed out of it, the, the political class, and left everybody the hell alone, I would suggest to you, we'd have had herd immunity. We'd have been so far down the road, we wouldn't have been having any of these conversations. Now, that, that's just my opinion. Is that right or wrong? Three analysis agree with you. Subramanian, Kampf, and Beatty now suggest by real-world data yeah. that the mass vaccination program has prolonged the pandemic yep. and yep. made it worse, yep. that we could have just got this over with like SARS-1 and moved on in life. Instead, mass vaccination has backfired on the world big time. Thank you for saying that. I feel in my heart that is accurate, Peter. I really, really do. Uh, that what you say there is, is so, it's so real. Uh, oh, it's, it's destructive and it's, it's, it's really mind boggling what's happened here. Let's get to some of these questions now here. We've got a lot to do here uh, on this Q&A. Um, Heidi says, uh, this is always my go-to place for current information on COVID without the sensationalizing influences of the media. Here you cut through the nonsense and get to the facts. Thank you. And, and, and that is the sentiment of a lot of people who appreciate these Q&As and the work that we've done here. And we hear you. We, we hear you loud and clear. She says, I'm wondering about information on the new COVID strain now found in all U.S. states, the BA2 or something like that. We have Delta back in June 2021 and had not taken the toxic jabs. We, we are in the high risk category and wonder if there is protection conferred by Delta for this new variant. And what does that protection mean? Lesser risk of infection, shorter duration of illness, reduce severity, your thoughts. So Omicron is divided into two sub-variants. The majority one that many of you had on the, on the call today is BA1, that's standard Omicron. There is a second sub-variant called BA2, which actually has some restoration of the code, coding for the spike protein, was called the S gene in the PCR primer. Uh, the BA2 variant is described as being slightly more infectious uh, but that's about it. The best we understand is if you've had Omicron, 
whether it's BA1 or BA2, you have full immunity across all of Omicron. And if you have immunity with Omicron, then you have back immunity against Delta. So right now, there's not much of an impetus for BA2 to take off and create a second curve since it's under the Omicron umbrella. Yeah, and, and I figured that was the case because I haven't heard anything about anything. And speaking of which, Dr. McCullough, is there any, any indication beyond this BA2 or any sign at all, uh, I'm guessing not, of any other kind of variant that's coming down or has this thing now just come to the end of its run? We were following a variant des- described in a nursing home in Europe that looked like it was more lethal. That never really took off. Uh, a hemorrhagic fever virus out of uh, China mm-hmm. uh, that hasn't taken off. Yeah, I can tell you, Malcolm, when things happen, the news cycle is so rapid that if there's going to be another variant that's going to fire up, we're going to see it. It becomes obvious. One thing I've learned is you don't have to look for it. It becomes obvious. Yeah, we've been following and talking with other experts about these other problems like the hemorrhagic fever that you speak about and the Nipah virus and the Marburg and all of these things out of China. I mean, which is a whole nother story. We surely shouldn't be gain of function in these laboratories, but that's another day, another argument for another day. Um, Some questions here. This one is from Alastair. My question is on the Novavax vaccine. There have been a lot of very concerning information come to light surrounding this new vaccine, which was sold to the public here in Australia as a more traditional protein-based vaccine, when in reality, it would appear it is not really the case. Could you explain the basic process used to create this vaccine and also comment on the speculated use of prions within it, supposedly the HIV-like prion uh, called glycoprotein 120, previously used in HIV vaccines that has never been approved or commercialized in use within it? Okay, so the genetic code for the spike protein is known. And the unique uh, approach that was taken by Novavax is basically to get uh, a model, in this case, it's moth, insect moth model, to take that genetic code and produce the spike protein and then to harvest the spike protein. So it's an interesting approach. Harvest purified spike protein, again, loaded on a particle, what's called a a matrix uh, protein, and then injected into the body like a tetanus shot. And they tested five micrograms or 25 micrograms, and it looks safe and effective with the legacy strains. Now, what's happened over time is Novavax could not provide assurances to the US FDA that they could make this in a consistent and clean fashion. They actually couldn't demonstrate good manufacturing capabilities. It's not uncommon for a new manufacturer. I was most enthusiastic about Novavax because it looked like it was free of systemic side effects. But when Omicron hit, the very first company to announce they're going to make a new vaccine was Novavax. So it looks like the Novavax vaccine will have effectively no coverage against Omicron. The Omicron spike protein is so sufficiently mutated away from the spike protein of the Novavax that we're out of luck. So at this point in time, many in Australia have looked at Novavax as well. This is a way for me to avoid a genetic vaccine. Right. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's simply not going to cover the issue at hand. And I don't think anybody listening should take a vaccine to take the least injurious vaccine in order to have another three months of life and then take another vaccine. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that is the ultimate equation right there that you say. That's going to come up a few times on today's program, I am certain, where you'll repeat what you just said. Um, let me say on Novavax just a moment so we can end a couple of these here. This one's from Jason. He's a 36-year-old healthy male from Australia. Uh, he's been mandated to have two COVID vaccine shots to keep his job. And this is crazy stuff. I had COVID, Delta, late last year, ended up in the ICU and on a vent for two days, had clots in my lungs, recovered. I take quercetin, NAC, vitamin C, D, zinc on a daily basis. I followed Dr. McCullough's protocol. So with the mandate and the previous uh, program, I heard uh, Dr. McCullough talk about Novavax. Again, this is where we want to correct the record a little bit, which is perfectly good. Uh, he, 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 that's me talking now. He, he finishes and says, I went and got the first shot of Novavax a couple of days ago. No real side effects. And I feel pretty good. Have I put myself in danger or should I get the second shot? I think it's dangerous. I've seen more than a, a few cases now where once they've had the respiratory illness and take the vaccine, that the body's already loaded with spike protein. The last thing you want to do is give the body more spike protein, which is known to cause blood clots and is thrombogenic. I, I think it's a dangerous it's a dangerous path to start going down. And this uh, reminded me, there was a, a man, it's in the peer-reviewed published literature now, where he took shot in one, shot two of a genetic vaccine, did fine, no side effects. Then he took shot number three and it was fatal. Wow. Wow. Everybody hear that. I mean, and you know, that's important because Dr. McCullough, a lot of people think if they take one or two, what the hell's the problem with the third one, right? They don't think anything of it. That's, that's crazy. Um, well, uh, again, this Novavax is coming up a lot, and we have so many Australian listeners here. This one's from Kylie, longtime listener and follower. We have finally had Novavax vaccine delivered to Australia. Seems to be a lot of safety data in the official government web pages are less than informative. Well, isn't that the case, right? My daughter has had a reaction to Pfizer. She's 17 years old, heart issues, pericarditis, myocarditis, and good old Australia will not give her an exemption for the vaccines. I mean, it's like they want to kill people. Uh, that's me talking again. The question is, just wondering if there is anything Dr. McCullough has reported that on this that would be helpful to us. Well, I guess you just said it a minute ago, didn't you? Yeah, I think once there's been heart damage with one shot, I think it's extraordinarily dangerous to take any second shot. The heart damage is caused by the spike protein. Novavax, you're giving the spike protein back to the human body. I think it's dangerous. Yeah, so I'm glad we're flushing this all out now. This is so important, what we're speaking about right now. So I'm happy to get this right in the front of the program here. One last one on this from Sarah Jane. I know in the past you said in theory, Novavax might be safer than non-mRNA, the messenger vaccines, because it will only produce a limited amount of spike protein in the body. Have you seen any real world data that may be in Indonesia or Singapore that can confirm the safety profile? I hear there may have been a case of myocarditis in the trials. I am a person who could use again. See, this is this is why I bring this up again. I could, I will. I, she says I could lose my livelihood for this choice. Wondered Novavax would be a safer alternative. I'm a woman in my 40s and healthy. You know, Doctor McCullough, this is what's sick about this. That's why I bring this up right away. These people are having to make life and death decisions based on just breathing and living. It's true, and the decisions are not for their health. There's not a single one of these people that seem to be concerned about COVID. It's simply a matter of, I have to take a shot to keep my job. I haven't seen any real world, real world data on Novavax. In many ways, that's a good thing, because if we started seeing cases of myocarditis or the blood disorders, what have you, the literature is so primed right now. There's a thousand publications 
on vaccine injury syndromes. We haven't seen those spontaneously arise in the literature yet with Novavax. That's it. This one's from Kim. Uh, Dr. McCullough, my daughter was forced to take the Pfizer shot for her job. Her second shot, um, uh, she has not felt right since. She just got the second shot a couple of weeks ago. It's not felt right since. She's tired, no energy to the point of no energy, even playing soccer, her love. Is there anything she can do to purge these vaccines out of her body? A lot of people wonder that. There, I get this question every day. There's no proven detoxification programs. It's going to take time. Uh, for some suggestions, go to the World Council for Health, World Council for Health. It's a yellow and pink background, and they have a couple suggested protocols, but it's purely empiric. Okay. All right. Well, that's important. Uh, Steve says, first to say that I am so grateful to you guys at America Aloud and Dr. Peter McCullough for the information you provide. But I need to ask, why hasn't Dr. McCullough spoken out about what's come out in the Pfizer document releases? He is one of the members of the group that put forward the legal proceedings so that we get the documents now and not in 55 years. These documents show that for the pregnancies that we were reported on, the ones they actually told us about, resulted in 100% dead babies. Where is the talk on this? Why is this not being discussed? It's abhorrent. What do you say to that? The, as the listener pointed out, the first tranche of Pfizer documents uh, have been released through the lawsuit, and there is a public health policy uh, review committee, and I am the lead on the committee. We simply haven't had a time as a committee to sit down and set our um, tasks in front of us to have it fairly reviewed. And so, but the, because this is out in the public, people can read the documents as they are now. The only top line I'm willing to give out at this point in time is clear within uh, very shortly after the public release of Pfizer data, they had in the post-marketing experience, they had 1,291 unique special events of interest, almost as if the vaccine had caused 1,291 new diseases. So more to come on this, but this was all about fair review. And now we need our ability to synthesize and review a large amount of data. So that'll be forthcoming once you get the committee together to study this. Yes. That's correct. Yeah. Please keep us posted on that. that that's really interesting information uh, there. Uh, Melinda says, uh, thank you so much for all your research and help in understanding the mRNA vaccine uh, to those of us who are unable to understand the messenger uh, RNA technology. I have a question that I uh, have not seen asked anywhere. If you not, If you have not had the vaccine and have to have blood and receive blood from someone who had the vaccine, will it cause the person receiving the blood to have the side effects of the vaccine, spike protein, question mark? In other words, uh, how will the effects of the vaccine affect an unvaccinated person if they have to have a blood transfusion from a vaccinated person? This question comes up all the time. The um, American College of Clinical Pathology, as well as American Association of Blood Banking, American Heart Association, we're all notified of this concern early in 2021. Uh, it's possible someone freshly vaccinated could uh, vaccinate and uh, donate and give lipid nanoparticles. Uh, that would have to be very quickly after the vaccine, but more likely uh, donate and give spike protein in the blood. 
The only thing I can tell you is that the response from those agencies is they didn't show much in the way of concern. And there are seroprevalence studies showing there's so many circulating antibodies among so many people now that probably the spike protein is mopped up by the antibodies, particularly in the concentrated products. So what I tell patients, say, listen, if you need a blood transfusion and you know your life is on the line, take a blood transfusion. Okay. Robin says, I need some help if you can. I'm trying to find studies about how masks won't work and the dangers of wearing them. Now, this is, as I read you this question here now, this is a brand new question that just came in, which is remarkable that this is happening. She, she says here, I work for the Von Trapp family. <laughs> there, there have been brutal, they have been brutal towards those of us who are unvaccinated. And there are a lot of folks like this, actually. I've done my research and have made an educated decision regarding the vaccine. I've had COVID twice. It is my understanding that I have natural immunity and that it protects better than the vaccine in terms of protection from the virus. They will not recognize this and are making discriminatory decisions against their unvaccinated employees. Can you please direct me to studies regarding masks, vaccine efficacy versus natural immunity, viral load in vaccinated versus unvaccinated. I'm sick to death of being treated like I'm a dirty disease spreading person. Wow. Gee whiz. Well, you know, again, <laughs> all experts agree after six months, people are unvaccinated. So I guarantee everybody at her work who thinks they're vaccinated, the majority actually are unvaccinated because they've lapsed more than six months. So the vaccine is not a tattoo. It's not like something you get one time and you can identify yourself as that. So the majority of people at her work are unvaccinated. I can tell you that right now. So they're all the same. It is true if you've had COVID twice, you have natural immunity, uh, which is robust, uh, it's durable, and uh, it, you know it's complete in terms of preventing serious outcomes like hospitalization and death. And so the naturally immune are far better than the vaccine immune on this, the best place to find the library of papers far and away is the Brownstone Institute. Go to the Brownstone Institute. There are collections of papers on natural immunity. Paul Alexander is one of the main contributors, uh, but many have contributed to Brownstone. And then you can find the ones on masks and masks don't work and what have you. I think Brownstone is the best overall resource. Excellent. Excellent. Um, you, you know, this question, she says she worked for the Von Trepp family. Here's the thing. Uh, you, people are going to have to make decisions uh, in their lives uh, to not go down these roads and go with other. I mean, that's just the way it is. In other words, all these things, Dr. McCullough, be, are becoming just political hot potato firebombs. Uh, they know what they shouldn't do, but yet they're succumbing uh, to these people to do what they shouldn't do based on these things that you've been saying from the beginning, they should stay away from. I think it's getting to a point now, people are going to have to move away from these people. There's, there's no other choice. It's not worth your life or a job well, or a house. Right? Well, to be fair, the last listener, Malcolm, she was saying, listen, how do I arrange my counter arguments? So she's in the action stage of doing something. And I think she's on the right track. Uh, the thing we want to discourage the, uh, is the questions that are really oriented towards how do I save my own skin for a few months? Right. How do I save my Good own point. skin and keep my job? Yeah. You know, why don't we get things oriented to how do we how do we correct the problem at hand? The problem at hand is the mandates. That's a good point. Yep. Yep. Okay. Marta says, I received the first dose of Pfizer uh, last August. That night I had trouble breathing. It didn't get better. About two, three months later, I started having pain in my left clavicle bone. Uh, yeah, the clavicle. Uh, I wasn't feeling right. On, in January, I was so exhausted that I could hardly wake up, let alone get up. 
Uh, and at the end of January, I was taken to a walking clinic. I had COVID and, and the, this area was x-rayed of the bone and I was referred to an oncologist. Listen to this, this, this gets really pretty incredible. I not, on, I not only have cancer, but I had it for just a, a few months. I was informed that it has spread so fast that I only have weeks left. The biggest masses are in my liver. I have cancer in my lung, uh, pack a day smoker, spleen, cancer uh, around my moth eaten clavicle bone. Uh, and now it has spread to my front brain. I believe I am dying because of the vax. Your thoughts? Hmm. Boy, this is um, terrible. I can just tell you that the speed of onset of taking a vaccine and then feeling some clavicular pain, it's not, it's not conceivable the vaccine can cause a de novo cancer. So almost invariably, the cancer was there for some period of time. You take the vaccine, symptoms bring out the recognition that in fact something's there. So it's basically a recognition issue. Um, however, uh, there are more and more data suggesting a vaccine could accelerate the course of cancer. I refer you to Dr. Ryan Cole, pathologist, who's taken the lead on this. And there's hints, by the way, in the Department of Defense epidemiologic system, the DMED database, that in fact cancers are promoted by the vaccines. Wow, and that, that's what I, I, I thought, yeah. All right, these next few are about long COVID. A lot of questions about that. Linda says, I have several friends that are having smell and taste issues since having COVID. Smells that make them nausea and unable to work. I heard Dr. McCullough mention he was treating patients for long haul COVID in one of the interviews. Uh, thoughts about how we can, they're asking if they can even contact your uh, office for help, but they're asking what can they do about this, uh, this uh, taste and smell issues, Dr. McCullough. Taste and smell alone. I've tried a lot of different empiric things in my office. I haven't found any uh, solution for it at this point in time. It goes away slowly over time. If there's other neurologic symptoms, peripheral neuropathy or cerebellar symptoms, I'll use a combination of prednisone and fluvoxamine. Fluvoxamine uh, has anti-COVID effects in acute COVID. Now, three randomized trials, one from Brazil. Fluvoxamine also is basically a neurologically active drug. Um, that can be tried. But I think for the average uh, ish person who's just trying to recover their uh, sense of taste and smell, uh, it's going to come back slowly over time. Yeah, it, it just it does take time. And, and Dr. McCullough, I've seen all of these impacts of long COVID in my wife, who, you know, the story there. And but she's starting to get everything back now, including her hair, which was falling out at one point because of the COVID long hauler. But she, you know, she walks several miles every day. She takes healthy cells. She takes all of the things we talk about. And that's what you have to do. You have to stay at this. And eventually, I'm guessing, Dr. McCullough, there's a turnaround, which is kind of what Jamie's asking here. She says this next one, what is the best way to clear the dead C-19 virus from your body to get feeling better sooner? My symptoms are gone after about 48 hours of illness using your protocol, but I'm still wiped, exhausted, tired. I've heard uh, it's from the level of dead virus in your system. I, it's only time, isn't it, that you have to? That's essentially right. The virus is in the body a lot longer than what we think. Um, I, I think there is an opportunity, you know, our naturopathic doctors and on the platform led by Dr. Henry Ely have really taken approach with nutraceuticals and vitamins. And I, I do think they do play a role in this post COVID recovery syndrome. And the brand that supports our show, but I use clinically is Healthy Cell. And the healthy cell lines, I think, really do play a role in this long COVID syndrome. 
There is no doubt in my mind, Dr. McCullough, I take, I mean, D has been taking that, my wife, every day. I mean, and you got to get out, you got to move your, anyway, you have to be energized to get better. And you got to take this stuff every day. I, I can't stress it enough, man. Uh, our, our, you know, we're learning this the hard way, but it's, it's so important. Uh, Veronica says, I was wondering if there is any information on a link. Okay, here's one between depression, anxiety with the COVID vaccine. I started experiencing what I would call a depressive sadness, hopelessness, and extreme fatigue episode after my first vaccine. I thought maybe it was just life, but after I got my booster, it got significantly worse. It kind of put the timeline of things together, and the vaccine is what only seemed to make sense. I really hope I can get some insight or hope from Dr. McCullum. I think it's conceivable. You know, it's likely... Uh, neuropsychiatric issues are among the 1291 kind of new diseases that the vaccines cause. The lipid nanoparticles do go into the brain. They do install genetic material that's taken up by cells within the brain. And it's certainly possible. Never before have we had a gene therapy delivered on a regular basis. And, and we know, in fact, that uh, it, it crosses the blood-brain barrier. I think everybody should be worried with the shots of having the material go in your brain. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Sharon says, I was locked down at home for two years, teaching online. I'm healthy, 67, unvaxxed, C19 naive, taking your supplements for months. I'm back in my LA classroom with religious exemption and soon came down with symptoms just a couple of weeks ago, sore throat, deep cough, headache, sinus congestion, sneezing, fever, rapid antigen test twice week, uh, a week ago, always uh, came back negative. Now, two weeks later, feeling much better symptoms gone, but I now have cold sores uh, on lips and an earache. Seems my immune system is weakened with the two-year isolation, she suggested. Was this Omicron, do you think? Or should I just continue with the supplements? Much gratitude to you, Dr. M. Yeah, I think it was Omicron. What you're experiencing is a reactivation syndrome. So the herpes simplex virus that causes uh, cold sores is reactivated in the setting of an Omicron infection. So what I advise is get through the cold sore phase and then get an antibody panel. The one I order is through Quest Labs. It's very good. It shows antibodies against the spike protein nucleocapsid is quantitative. And you ought to know if you've had Omicron through the antibody test now. Okay. Joe says, my wife and sister-in-law recently had COVID uh, just a few months ago and are now experiencing a oh, dramatic, dramatic hair loss. I'd mentioned that just a moment ago here. Other friends have reported the same after they had COVID. Is this hair loss truly an after effect of COVID? Have you seen any of this in your practice? And by the way, none of them were ever vaccinated. So they're saying COVID itself is doing it, not the vaccination. Uh, that seems to be the case, isn't it, Dr. McCullough? It's true. Now, I've seen this over and over again in my practice, and that's a sign of severe COVID, by the way, is severe COVID hair loss, and the hair will come out in clumps for months. You'll see associated nail changes. The nails, nails will be more brittle. They'll have pitting. Uh, the supplement to go to is biotin, biotin, 12,000 micrograms twice a day, and then also good supplementation of general vitamins will be the way to go. It'll slowly recover. You know, I, I got to speak from experience, Dr. McCullough. I got to tell you right now, uh, my wife had incredible hair. She had a beautiful head of hair and she lost, um, it, she was, you know, women get frantic over this thing. I mean, let's face it, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And it got pretty serious for her with the hair loss she had. And she was like, 
you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And somebody said to her, do you realize you're losing your hair? You better get a wig. That's how bad it was, right? Do you know it's not only is it looking better the way she does it now, but it's coming back. She's got all this new hair growth now and everything else coming back. And it's like, like I'm saying, there is hope on this. You know what I'm saying? It does come back, right? It's true. It's a tincture of time. You have to be patient. Yeah. And, we, and she takes focus uh, with healthy cell as well for the brain fog and all of that, because that's the thing you've got to do. Take all this stuff. So you've got to reverse this thing is how you do it. And to get rid of this long COVID and all the uh, uh, problems with that, you know, um, Sheila says, what does uh, Dr. McCullough know about increased heart rate carrying on after the virus? No vaccination and not a serious case of virus, but the increased heart rate still around. Is this common? And are, are they see, are we seeing heart injuries after just having the virus, she's asking? I see this commonly in my practice. We know the virus does get into the human body. And in fact, it probably does uh, affect the adrenal glands and the sympathetic chain. There can be a reset of the heart rate upward, upwards by about tw- 10 to 20 points. And this can last anywhere from three to six months. If it's high, consistently over 100, we use some short-term beta blocker medicines to control it. Uh, but I've seen this in my practice and it clearly happens with the vaccines, but it happens with the respiratory infection as well. Okay, last question on long COVID is from Brian. And this one's interesting as well. He says, I had COVID in October. I'm unvaccinated. Before I started really running down with COVID, I had ringing in my ears that I couldn't figure out. Now I still have ringing and I take all the vitamins. Uh, Shall I expect the ringing to ever go away? Uh, have, have you heard about this? Have you done anything explaining why this occur- occurs? This is one of the longest lasting COVID, long COVID syndromes called tinnitus or ringing in the ear. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, and I think the loss of uh, a sense of smell, the olfactory nerve involvement. If it's really bothersome, uh, I will try some prednisone and fluvoxamine over the course of a month. Some people, it's so bad, Malcolm, they can't go to sleep. And so uh, this is a serious infection. I guarantee most of the people we're talking about with these, they didn't get enough early treatment. So the virus ripped their body for a long period of time. Yeah. And many of us have experienced that. And again, as listeners know, I, I, I had COVID myself, went through a tough time. Uh, my wife had it very serious. And by the grace of God and the protocol here and Dr. McCullough and others on the platform, we were blessed to get her through that hurdle, no doubt about it. You know, Dr. McCullough, we've learned a lot from COVID as a people. And I always say this, I mean, in the long run, I think we'll be that much better off. I've learned so much from our immune systems and our bodies and our lives. And, you know, we've it's been very controversial out there, very political with vaccines and masks and things like that. One of the things that I've been talking about, and one of our new um, sponsors on the platform, I want to tell people right now is Genesis Fogger. But here's what I want to drive to. And from your perspective, Dr. McCullough, as a doctor, as an MD, and understanding these um, pitfalls, you know, a lot of stuff, like I said, came very political with the mask wearing and all of that. We, a lot of us knew the mask weren't working. But these viruses like COVID or any of the variants or some of the other ones coming down the pike that you and I talked about moments ago here, part of the problem we're going to have to deal with, I think, moving forward as a people, from what I can see, is being conscious of where we're at and the air around us. Now, when you think about all the COVID transmission, it was always done from the shared air. It was always out in the, it wasn't 
that it was on a surface or something is that you're breathing in and out, you're breathing infected air because it stayed up in the air for a little while. So what's happened is this uh, Genesis Fogger takes HOCL, which is quite fascinating. And I, I have one of these and it puts an ultrafine mist in the air. So specifically, like if you have a party or an event or you have people in the house or your business, a lot of businesses, they absolutely need this to clean the area, but in your home as well. So this thing puts a fine mist and cleans it. De- it it uh, gets the pathogens. Uh, that's what I'm going to say. All the pathogens come out of the ear with this thing. And it becomes part of the regimen. Like you're doing like, I don't know, whether you do nasal decontamination in your nose and this sort of gets it while it's in the air. Does that make sense moving forward as, uh, you know, um, with our lives, I'm saying the fact that we should be conscious now in these areas from viruses and especially uh, with people around in the area, a lot of people, that kind of thing? I think it certainly does. There's several principles. One is just the, as you mentioned, the pathogen laden air. And what comes to mind is public restrooms or frequently used restrooms. We have a whole variety of pathogens, including SARS-CoV-2. The air is heavy and it's not moving. If air moves six air exchanges in an hour, in general, that's related to lower infectivity risk because the air is moving. Uh, there are good filtration systems. There's decontamination systems. Uh, many of you have a senior citizen in your home. And, and have you ever gone into a room and it smells uh, basically kind of um, musty? Right. And it, you know, that's actually uh, a, a factor of dust, dust mites, and other things in the air. It smells musty for a reason. Well, so what this does is to tell folks, I want you to follow what I'm doing now. This Genesis Fogger, it's it's a very handy little uh, uh, device, a hardware tool, if you will. You can put it right on your shoulder and it cleans the air. You put the HOCL, you dilute it just like you do the other things, the pubidone iodine sort of thing. In fact, they use this for nasal de- decontamination. They put it right on the nose and it shows it right on the site and it cleans your nasal out as well, the HOCL. HOCL is in, uh, what I've learned about is now it's in our white blood cells. It's very healthy. You can clean your fruits and vegetables with it. You clean. So that's sort of what cleans the air with this device. Uh, they've done scientific findings on it. There's all kinds of information back on the website. You can, I'm going to leave you with a site now. You can check it out for yourself. Genesisfogger.com. Uh, forward slash out loud is set up with all the information you need. And our listeners do get 15% off. We negotiated with the company. You get as a listener with the code out loud that you use and you're entitled to that. So check that out and see what you think. I have one. I use it. It's very, very effective and, and see what you think, friends. We'll take a quick pause here. We're on a roll. A lot of questions here. And we'll be back with Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, you're listening to the voice of a nation. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. It's time to rethink COVID disinfection. A study by Harvard, Drexel, and Virginia Tech concluded, we don't have a single documented case of COVID transmission through surfaces. The reality is that COVID spreads mainly through the air. Shared air is the problem, not shared surfaces. The solution is the Genesis Fogger, which uses natural HOCL to disinfect both air and surfaces simultaneously. It's perfect for home or business. NIH says HOCL may well be the disinfectant of choice for coronaviruses. There's nothing more natural or more effective. 
Genesis fogs at the precise particle size to combat COVID and other harmful pathogens. It's what's missing from your disinfecting protocol. Visit genesisfogger.com. America Out Loud listeners receive a 15% discount with promo code OUTLOUD at genesisfogger.com slash OUTLOUD. Invincible American spirit drives the most audacious experiment in the history of self-government. America Out Loud celebrates the American spirit every minute of every day. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is McCullough Report. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy, and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD, for a 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only 8 seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology, designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Welcome back to the Voice of a Nation here. It is Malcolm Out Loud, yours truly. And uh, this is uh, our COVID Q&A, our 16th one with Dr. Peter McCullough is here. Coming through a whole litany of questions here. I want to get on to this now. This one is from uh, Jana. Jana says, I'm a hospital pharmacist in South Texas. I always look forward to these COVID Q&As. We are on occasion using remdesivir in the hospital to treat COVID patients. When remdesivir first came out, I researched and learned to contain cycloxidextrin, right? Cycloxidextrin is it? You can, that which affects the kidneys. I also learned that the antifungal VFEN contained cyclodextrin. Uh, throughout the pandemic, I have thought the combination of two negatively affected my patient's kidney function. We know this is true. Myself and another pharmacist are solely making the other healthcare providers aware of this possibility, but I feel our approach is more reactive and taking patients off the drugs. I would rather make more providers aware and be proactive with not using the combination in the first place. 
I've not been able to find information on this subject. Have you heard of this issue before, she's asking Dr. McCullough. Is there research on this particular topic? I'm trying to be vigilant, she says, as a pharmacist, if other other medications have that, uh, you know, this challenge here. Um, I mean, this is a problem, isn't it? This uh, remdesivir, we know this is a problem. Remdesivir uh, is given over a five-day infusion in patients in the hospital. And the studies are clear. More patients die with remdesivir than in not getting remdesivir. And so that's the reason why in 2020, the World Health Organization says don't use remdesivir in COVID-19 patients. So the hospitals are still using it against the advice of the World Health Organization and the bad outcomes with remdesivir. So it needs to stop. It causes kidney failure. It causes liver injury and there's excess mortality. Yeah, and I've seen and I've seen uh, not only studies on this, but I've had people on who've been greatly and gravely impacted by this remdesivir. So to be sure, it is, it is not a, a good thing from what I see here. Um, this uh, next one is from Jonal. Uh, says, I am 68 years old. I have not had the COVID vaccination. I tested positive for COVID at the end of 21. Uh, only symptoms were sore eyes and a little bit of runny nose. The same day I received the monoclonal antibodies at the hospital. Uh, I went to the emergency room and found out I had blood clots in my left leg and, bo and both lungs. I'm currently taking uh, five milligrams twice daily of Eliquis. I was told by my previous doctor uh, just a couple months ago that I have to take the blood thinner for the rest of my life. When I mentioned it to my new doctor, she didn't say anything. I've been trying to research this and can't find information. Is it true that I will, that I will probably have to take this for the rest of my life? I'm suspicious there's some underlying blood clotting disorder since it was such minimal symptoms and the thrombus was so predominant. So I'd recommend a full uh, coagulation, abnormality profile, hypercoagulable profile. And there's about seven to, to 12 things that are checked. Uh, and then the other thing I've noticed, I've had cases like this, is be sure to get follow-up ultrasounds because the clots can be far more persistent than what we thought. I have one patient where the blood clots persisted for far more than a year. Uh, but ultimately, the doctor has to, to decide with this patient based on the unique features, the hypercoagulable workup, and the serial imaging is it, uh, is it just a time-limited use of the blood thinner, or is it lifelong? All right. All right, so next one's from McKenna. I want to ask Dr. McCullough a question about women breastfeeding while vaccinated. My cousin is due in July, recently got her booster shot. She got really sick after. I want to ask if there's evidence of infant death linked to vaccinated breastfeeding. I've heard of cases, but I want to be able to show real evidence that it may not be best to breastfeed after vaccination. It's in the U.S. Uh, vaccine adverse event reporting system of a vaccinated breastfeeding woman having a hemorrhagic death in the infant that was presented by Dr. Harvey Risch on uh, Fox News, the Ingram Angle. And uh, almost certainly there are more cases that arise. Breastfeeding women should not take the vaccine. Pregnant women should not take the vaccine. They were excluded from the clinical trials. We always exclude them in clinical practice for these reasons. We must protect the women and the babies. Amen. Uh, Debbie says, my question is, are the COVID vaccines still in phase three trials? And if so, is it possible that half of the population is really being, being given a placebo? I don't think so. Uh, the, they are completed their trials. It's in the public program. Everybody should believe that they, you know, when they sign up for the emergency use authorized vaccine, they are getting 
what they say they're getting in terms of, uh, you know, truly getting Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and there's no placebo administration. Uh, one cannot receive a placebo unless the consent form tells someone that there's a 50-50 chance of getting the real thing or placebo. Okay. Simon says, what are the chances that uh, it, it could cause HIV test results as HIV has appeared on MSM a lot all of a sudden? Also, is it possible that the vaccine could be swapped out so the contents are different in each one? So, for example, two Pfizer vaccines a person received actually contain two different things entirely. But they're asking mostly about the HIV. You've been hearing about this? The vaccines, uh, in my understanding, they are as presented. They don't differ, differ from shot to shot. There is some homology between a glycoprotein in the spike protein in HIV. And it is true that the very first Australian COVID-19 vaccine by the University of Queensland did turn everybody in the trial HIV positive, even though they didn't have HIV. It's one of the reasons why it was stopped. So if you go onto a fair search engine like Duck and Go, and you type in Australian vaccine turns subjects HIV positive, you'll see it there. So it definitely happened. This has been heavily suppressed by the media. Now, there's been concerns about HIV overall. And I think some of this is spurred by the World Health Organization, which advises, uh, in a sense, in a negative way on boosters. The World Health Organization thinks that boosters potentially can weaken the immune system because we're loading the body with the spike protein. But to my knowledge, there's no direct connection between SARS-CoV-2, the vaccines, and HIV. Right. And, and I could just well, pretty well predict the answer to this one from Ed. He says he's a young adult male, 24. Uh, he has to get a vaccine for entrance into the military. Which one would be the best one with the least chance of problems? <laughs> I'll just share that with you. That, again, we're going to have to get away from saving my own skin so I can be in the military or saving my own skin so I can keep my job. We have to go to the root of the problem. This is going to be, what, just a few more months in the military, and this is going to come up again and again and again. A vaccine is not a tattoo. It's not a permanent thing. It only lasts a few months and the risks far outweigh any benefits. But also, if enough people stand up against this, uh, then they'll need more soldiers and they'll have to lax these kinds of rules, don't you think, Dr. McCullough? They do, but you know, they, with the sentiment of these questions, people are still thinking they're gonna save their own skin. They are still thinking the vaccine is like a tattoo. You get it one time and you're good. It's not the case. People are gonna have to start thinking through this. And I guarantee this person has not talked up the chain of command and basically worked their way through who decided this and why? Do you know all five branches of the military are being sued right now? Uh, people are pressing the case and getting religious exemptions. This is about standing up as opposed to saving your own skin. I mean, what Dr. McCullough says there is so important. And, and I think what we're going to start to see in society as a whole is that these groups, organizations, in this case, the military, as he says, all five branches are being sued, about everybody's being sued right now. But as this thing goes on, there, there's still so much. I, I, I guess what I would say to you, how many, I'm thinking about the ending chapters of this thing and what they look like. And we've been, you know, sounding the warning for some time about these false choices that people have to make. You know, if enough people stand for what's right for themselves and their bodies, 
like in the case of military and, and what Ed asked a moment ago here, then I got to tell you what, when there's no soldiers on the battlefield or whatever that means, I guess they'll change the rules, right? I mean, and it's the same way like this through all walks of life as these groups and organizations and hospitals and politicians and jobs, corporates uh, continue to push some sort of a wicked, wicked agenda forcing these kinds of decision makings on people uh, to, you know, put themselves at risk, put their loved ones at risk. For what? As Dr. McCullough says, for what? For just a few days? I mean, for what? For a couple of months? I mean, where's the trade-off, people? That's the, where is the trade-off? So these kinds of questions that come in, when it addresses like, you know, what's the better shot or which vaccine do you recommend? Or it's, it's like asking, you know, what's the, what's the quickest way to maybe not die? Or how do I, we don't know this. We don't possibly know this. It's not possible. So listen, we're getting, I mean, thousands of questions in here every day on these Q and A's. And that's a common denominator where people are looking for us to help them with a decision that they have to, a very personal decision that they have to make. And that very personal decision uh, is, is only one that they can make. But I, I can't imagine why somebody would take the risk, any risk of this when you know, you're being forced to do so. Why, why bother? Why bother for anything? I would say fight it all the way to the very, very end. You know, this next one, uh, for instance, from Jerry, uh, he says, uh, can the McCullough protocol be generalized and used for other viral illnesses like influenza or the common cold? And, and I will answer that one. The answer is unequivocally, yes. I mean, all of the things that McCullough puts out there in the protocol, friends, can absolutely be, should be used. The way I would describe this is it's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of living back to what I say about our health, you know, our health and well-being. So the answer is unequivocally, yes, all of these things and the daily rituals we need to be taken. You know, that is the silver lining in all of this, really and truly it is. The things we've learned as people now and our responsibilities to our own bodies and our own health and our own minds that I've been preaching about for years, well before COVID, but it, it's so vivid now in my mind, the things we have to do, like just becoming, before I come on the show here with uh, and Dr. McCullough and I were just talking about it, in fact, you know, I take my healthy cell. I take it all. I take the AM, PM every day. I take the, the for the brain fog. I, I take focus and recall. I mean, and then I take the uh, uh, zinc. I take A, I take D. I take all of these things. And it absolutely makes a difference. In fact, just this morning, I was, I don't know, I, I hardly ever get sick. And I was feeling a little weirdness in my nose. And now I realize the problem with our nose. I immediately went and started taking the healthy cell. And again, when you're doing that and you use some things, and that's what we're like the fogger and de decontaminating the air and killing the pathogens. And like he was talking about the mites. And we were just talking even off air about that. Uh, Dr. McCullough and I were talking about, he, he's using the fogger in his home uh, with his uh, parents and stuff uh, as a health measurement to take out any pathogens in the air and to get rid of that sort of, uh, um, 
you know, that sometimes you walk into a room and you get that uh, sort of a dusty smell kind of thing. And it's because of the air we're breathing. And that's something we've all learned uh, from this COVID. That's how these things are passed. These pathogens are passed through the air. So that's the way to stop that. You know, we're getting so many different uh, uh, excellent ideas in here and request uh, from very unique products that I, I'm seeing so many, so much value with. And there's a series of them now that I'm looking at. And really, uh, Dr. McCullough and I are investigating many of these to see, do they bring value to people? That's the kind of thing I uh, really enjoy doing uh, with uh, the platform here is being able to bring these new ideas and new thoughts. You know, at the end of the day, it really is about a quality life. I mean, it, it's, it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality of life and what we get out of it. And that's something we need to be focused on as people. And, you know, there's a lot, been a lot of damage here done from COVID, surely over the last couple of years, people. And I, I absolutely pray for all the people we've lost, uh, sadly, from all of this and the way it's been mismanaged. And, you know, we've done these Q&As now with Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Henry Ely, getting the information out there. And Dr. Ely's so good about this. He, he, Dr. McCullough, that's why he just brought up a few moments ago. He's so accurate. Uh, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, being able to take a look at things we need to do to prevent these things or to minimize when you know, whatever it is, whether it's a hemorrhagic fever or some other virus or another variant or whatever's going to happen. I mean, if you can't avoid it entirely, at least minimize the impact on your body. A healthy immune system will do that. That's, see, that's the thing I've learned more than anything. Eating right, walking every day, exercise, putting the things into your body, because without our health, uh, you know, my friends, we have nothing. We have absolutely nothing. The best job in the world isn't going to help you. The best military branch isn't going to help you. The best relationship isn't going to help you. Nothing's going to help you. It always comes back to your, to you, your personal DNA. You're taking care of you first. That's what it's got to be. So put yourself first more than anything. If there's anything we've learned from all of this, that's got to be it right there. Um, all your questions here, you can send in to liberty at americaoutloud.com that those who come right into us here for the q a's or there's a contact button back at america out loud in the menu of the nav bar i believe it says contact there you can also send it through there and that'll come through our talk address and we'll get it but if you're listening to this liberty at americaoutloud.com we'll get it in here and we'll be able to answer them in upcoming q a's and so on and so forth uh, listen, we're on the front lines here, uh, for sure. Uh, the voice of a nation that you're listening to now, 6 and 10 daily, is we, and we cover everything in life, my friends, everything from the COVID Q&As to uh, all the latest information in healthcare to societal, cultural, political, everything. It's a full 360 here on the voice of a nation. All the shows go to podcast. Uh, you get them right back at americarotloud.com. A big thank you here to Dr. Pina McCullough and uh, all of the great questions that are coming in here. And uh, we'll continue on with the mission here, my friends. It's time to get involved and get loud.